You haven't seen me for a while. Blast from the past. I'll try and do a bit of a blast today <laughs> through the Word of God. Thank you. Awesome. Got my props. You've missed my props, haven't you? Got my props today. Well, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come around your Word. Your Word is anointed. Your Word is life. And Father, I pray that today as I read and, I, and we gather around your Word and we take things from your Word that he will penetrate into our lives that will stir faith and our faith will grow and our trust in you will grow even greater. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about development in the dark room. My first job was developing photos. Age of 15, I got a job after school and they taught me, they, they trained me how to develop photos. Now, um, back in the, can you just, sorry, pass me my phone? I had everything but my phone. Back in the day, um, I don't know, different ages here today, so I'm going to uh, talk about, address some of the young people because you, you won't know about this, <laughs> this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, so primarily today, developers are, are quite uh, like photographers that have their little dark rooms, enthusiasts photographers uh, out there. We don't hear so much about the camera uh, that was used many years ago. Some people still use it today. I actually got a camera. This is actually a real camera. Uh, this is a camera with a film. So one of these, these, this is what we used to use in the day. We used to have a film and you used to load it into a camera and we'd take pictures. Now, this camera is actually a very special camera. This is Jason's camera, not his first camera. This camera he actually brought from a, an elderly gentleman who actually took photos of the Queen. So I, Jason says you can borrow it, but be careful. So I'm very, very careful. <laughs> So, uh, and this is what we used to do, is we used to use real cameras with real films. And uh, currently, we take everything on our phones, right? All our pictures are taken on our phones. We can take a picture, don't like it, delete it. Uh, yeah, actually, do you know that there are, oh, that's all my honey, I miss my honey. Um, three billion images are shot every day on this around the world. That's a lot of photos. But in the day, we used to use this, a real camera with real film that when you used to take a photo, you didn't know what it was going to turn out like. There is no screen, no viewing screen behind these cameras to see what the photo was like. For, for, for wedding photographers, it was a bit of a nightmare because <laughs> it was hit and miss. But thank God they were well trained. That was more hit than the miss. Film is what is developed. And so what would happen is people come in and bring their film just like this. And I was trained to go into the dark room and develop this film. And uh, this film was then... Uh, it's called actually, it's actually made up of emulsions. And on the film, I'm not going to unwind it because it's very expensive, these films now, Pastor Jason told me. Um, these films would have, what you have is emulsions on them. And then it's called, uh, I'll just get one out for you. 
It's called, on the, on the emulsions, there's a silver halide crystals. So what happens is when the lens opens, like, you, you enjoying this? I'm going to preach the word. Light comes in and hits the, the, the silver halide emulsions uh, crystals, get excited, then burn an image onto the film. And uh, when the light comes in, as it's got excited, the image of the light comes and burns a film. I don't know if you actually can see little dark. These are like these are like 1970s. These are my photos from 1970. I know I'm a hoarder. <laughs> All for illustrations. And so it captures a picture, and then a latent image is comes out. So when you when I'll develop photos, we put it in three, a bath of three chemicals, and this is called a negative, and the negative will be submersed in these three chemicals, and uh, the latent image would come on, and then it would come out like this, just like a, um, the film would come out with the dark spots of images like that. And then I'd put it in an enlarger, and then so negative will turn into a positive. And that's what would happen. And so... When you brought your film into me, you had to trust me as a developer and not to open the film in a lighted in a lit area of light. Because if I did that, it'd just be black. <laughs> I would ruin the film. And so what, what we see here, there are most exposed parts will turn black because of the chemicals that clump together and cause that picture. And the parts that were least exposed will actually be white. Uh, and that would be the exact negative of a, of, a, of a picture. And when you get the positive, you get a picture out of it. So that's, with, that's what a positive comes out of a negative. And it all happens in the dark room. And you have to trust the developer that he or she will do a great job. Will not overexpose, will not let light come in and ruin your film, but rather get a great picture out of it. Now, sometimes it was a bit like iffy for me, and I actually said, if there's any too many white parts on the picture, I'm not, I'm not on the on the. Uh, Negative, I wasn't going to develop it because that would be nudity. So I removed myself from the room and got others to do that. Yes, believe it or not, people did send those pictures in in the day. So it's very hard for the developer to uh, go forth. But that I, was my clause. I will do all pictures, but I won't do the nudies. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you had to trust the dark room. You had to trust the dark room that the negatives will produce the positives. That the, that the negatives were dealt with right, with the right chemistry that will cause a positive picture to come out. You know, isn't that so much like in our lives? We will go through dark room experiences. Some of you have gone through dark room experiences some of you are in a dark room experience now. Trust me, some of you are going to go through a dark room experience. And today I want to talk about that dark room experience. A lot of magical work 
is done with photographers who have their own dark rooms where they can superimpose and create great artwork uh, through manipulating uh, in the dark room the negatives. And uh, that's what God does to us in our dark room. I've been through, unfortunately, several dark rooms, but every dark room I can come out and say a positive has come out of it. Sometimes many positives have come out of the dark rooms. The Bible itself is very much filled with dark room stories. You know, one of the greatest themes in the Bible is suffering, as well as joy, but suffering. Almost every book of the Bible, suffering is one of the constant themes in there. But the Bible also deals with sufferings and you begin to see the positives that have come out of the negatives. From the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, it begins when evil and death came into the world. When you get to the next book in Exodus, you see the story of the 40 years of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness then they were being developed by God in those 40 years. Then you come to the book of Job and Ecclesiastes and they are completely dedicated to pain and suffering in dark times. You come to the book of Psalms and Psalms is filled with prayers and songs that were all birthed in a season of pain. You know, often you read a Psalm and you'll you'll read this, why God, why God, why God? Why is this happening? You get to the book of Jeremiah, a prophet who was written in a time of captivity. He was in his dark room there. Then you get to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations says it all, doesn't it? The name says it all. Jeremiah is lamenting in the darkest time of Israel when they were taken into captivity by the Babylons and the city of Jerusalem was burnt down. Then there's a short book of Habakkuk. And here you see a prophet who's complaining about the evil in the world and suffering that is happening, only to be encouraged that more is coming. To, then you get to the New Testament. And the New Testament, you get to Hebrews and 1 Peter. And these books were written primarily to believers who were in a time of suffering in their darkened times. Then you get to the last book, the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation we see is that literally the world will be darkened and the sun will grow dark. This is still to happen. This is still to come. The predictions are still to come. The Literally, the world will be darkened, the sun will grow dark, and the stars will fall from the sky. In the law, and then we get above it all, their Lord Jesus Christ, who is a man acquainted with sorrows and with grief. Today, I want to focus on one of the men in the Bible that is probably one of the most preached about men apart from Jesus Christ, in the Bible. There is more written about Joseph 
than written about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob put together. There's more written about Joseph than creation. There's more written about Joseph than the flood. There's more written about Joseph than many of the stories in the Bible. His story starts from chapter 37 to 50. And I want to look at primarily Genesis chapter 37, 19 to 22. And we see three certainties uh, that will happen in the light, dark times will happen in the life of a believer. These are only three. There are many, but I've taken three certainties that will happen in a dark room, that will happen in a time of darkness. Number one, dark times are consented by God. Genesis 39, 19 to 20. As soon as his master, Potiphar, heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. Potiphar was angry. And Joseph's master took him and put him to prison in the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. You see, Potiphar's wife lied to her husband saying that Joseph made a pass at him, at her. And uh, Potiphar was angry believed her and sent Joseph to prison. That's when another dark place happened in Joseph's life. We see that God lets some things happen. God allows some dark times in our lives to happen. In fact, through Joseph's life, God is attending the dark times, the dark rooms for his development because God knows a purpose that he has for Joseph that is going to come, but he needs to be developed. He needs his negatives to be developed, to refine, so then the positive can come. You know, Joseph came from a, a, a terrible background. His, his home life, his upbringing was so dysfunctional. His dad had several family feuds, one with his brother and one with his father-in-law. His mother died when giving birth to Joseph's younger brother. His brothers was having, one of his brothers was having an affair with his dad's wife. His sister was abducted and raped. So the two older brothers went to the town and killed all the men. This is Joseph's family. Joseph's brothers hated Joseph so much that they threw him in the, t- in the pit and then they sold him to the Midianites who sold him then to Potiphar as a slave. Then, then Potiphar's wife makes a pass at him and he's thrown into prison. Do you feel sorry for Joseph? I do. For a moment, let's feel sorry for Joseph. We understand, must understand that while these things were happening, some of it was because, so sorry, the suffering in, in, in Joseph's life was because God had a plan and a purpose for his life. You know, people ask me, why does suffering happen? Some of it is actually because we live in a fallen world. Sin around us, sickness around us, things happen because we live in a fallen We're not in heaven where there's no sickness, where Jesus wipes our tears away. We live in a fallen world. Some of it is because of our own doing, our own bad habits. You know, if I get drunk and I drive on the road and I kill someone and kill, that's that's because of my bad habits. That's my doing. Sometimes we suffer as a result of persecution of our faith. Sometimes we suffer as a direct attack from Satan, and we know this from Job's life. 
great example of this. Suffering will happen. Job 5, 7. But man is born to trouble just as a spark's fly upward. Jesus said to the 12 disciples, in the world you will have tribulation. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various trials. Godly people suffer just as much as ungodly, but the difference is how we suffer. The difference is how we suffer. The most important thing is that when we suffer, we choose how we will suffer. We have now adopted the attitude, well, hopefully a lot of you have adopted this attitude. I know that I have in my suffering times. It's only taken me like 55 years to learn this. But I've adopted the attitude that when something happens, rather than going, why, I actually go, God, can you help me to learn what I need to learn really quickly? Can, can, can you help me to forgive really quickly? Can you help me to forgive ongoing really quickly? Can you help me to, to just shave that part of me that you go needs a bit of shaving off really quickly? I'm willing, I'm ready, whatever it takes, God, just, just help me in this journey to do it with you. And my prayer and my hope for you today is that if when you, if you are or going to go in a dark dark time, rather than going, why? Rather than fighting it, rather than, uh, you know, squirming in it, go, okay, God, I don't like it. You're allowed to say that. But help me, Lord, to really do this well. Help me, Lord, to stick close to you. Give me the strength. Give me the grace to grow in whatever I need to grow in, to grow myself, to help others. You know, I want the negatives of my life to be developed into the positives. That's what I want. Number two, dark times enhance a closeness to God. You'll see the three points start with C, so you can remember. Consented by God. Enhance a closeness to God. On a weekly basis, I would often talk to people who are suffering or in a dark time or have come through a dark time. You know, and I've seen some who've walked away from the Lord because of a dark time, which is really sad. But then I've seen many people as I talk with them who've journeyed in a dark time say how they've grown closer to God, how God has provided this and God has shown them this and God has spoken to them about this. And I love hearing those stories because it's a, it's a similar story that I've experienced in my times, in my dark times, where I've always seen the, the magnificence of God. I've seen the, the favour of God. I've seen the presence of God. I've seen the grace of God in those times. And I'm sure many of you would say that it is in the darkest times that you've experienced a kiss from heaven, a touch from God, His presence around you when you're just don't know what's going on. Let's look what in Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. This is the Lord with Joseph. And he showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The Lord was with Joseph. What is when the Lord is with you, the presence of God is with you. 
It draws you closer to God. The presence of God draws you closer to God. It's the presence of God that helps you get through a dark time. Joseph knew God was with him in that prison. You know, once heard that pain and suffering will either break your back or bend your knee. Break your back or bend your knee. I pray that for us, it will bend our knee. It will draw us closer to God. It's the image of God's presence that is developed in the negatives of our life. It's the, when the black comes together, clumps together, imprinting a positive on our, in our life. Number three, dark times are a causeway for God. So number one, consented by God, closeness to God, and a causeway. A causeway is pretty another, another word for pathway. A causeway is what brings you from one destination to the other. It, it, it over, it's a causeway. It's like a bridge over water. It's a causeway. But what the Bible actually says, biblic, biblical uh, dictionary of the Bible in causeway, it's a raised way and ascent by the steps or a raised slope between Zion and the temple. So listen to this for a moment. Zion represents the city of holiness, a city of refuge where the Lord protects his people from the evils of the world. You know, if you've been in a dark time, you just think, oh my gosh, I'm going to die here. I'm never going to get out of this. Oh my goodness, I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore. Oh my goodness, I can't do this anymore. But dark times can be a causeway, a pathway that God uses to link you into the very promises that he has for you. A place of promise. It's where Abraham, Zion is where Abraham sacrificed his only son, Isaac, and then the Lord provided a lamb. In your dark times, the Lord will provide you what you need if you're close to him. It's where Jacob had a dream that allowed him to climb into heaven. It's where David purchased a threshing floor and repented of his sin. It's where Solomon built the temple. It's where the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120. Can you see the good things that happened in the causeway of Zion? Can you see that it's in your causeway, in your pathway, that God does his very best work if you allow him to? Zion is a place that God commanded the blessing, life forevermore. It's a dark room that times that will result in purpose if you do it right, if you stay the course, if you don't run away and do it your own way, if you stay close to God, if you depend on God, if you allow God to do the inner work in your life purpose will come out. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there was the one, he was the one who did it. See, the 
pathway, see the causeway of his prison time, allowed him to get promoted to be assistant prisoner governor, even though he was a prisoner himself. Duh. How does that work? A prisoner gets the position as assistant prisoner governor because God's there. Dark rooms develop the very best pictures if the process is done right. You see, if I'm in my dark room back years ago, 1980-something, if I at any time, I won't do it, Jason, but opened the back of the camera or pulled the negative out, that's it. There's no images. It's, it's black. If I put it in the developer, then put it in the, the uh, image translator, nothing will come out. It will literally be not white, but it will be black because you have to trust the process. You have to trust the process. God will always, when we trust the process, bring good outcomes. In the book of James, he says, trials produce perseverance. In Romans, he says, trials, dark times, produce endurance, character, and hope. First Peter 5 says, Christ himself will restore you and make you strong and steadfast. You see what it does? The trials can produce endurance, produce character, produce long-suffering, produce steadfast. When God takes us through our dark times or trials, it's more about the personal improvement. It's not about seeing you suffer. It's purposeful movement to position you for greater impact in the world. It's purposeful movement to position us for greater impact in our world. We see that Joseph's trial prepared him and positioned him for greater impact in the world that he was gonna step into out of those jail walls. God trained Joseph to be the second commander of the world. In the darkest time in the world, he puts Joseph, he trains him to put him as second in charge, prime minister under Pharaoh in that dark time. He went through many dark rooms, many dark times to get in position to make a great impact. You know, Follow his story. If Joseph didn't, Joseph's brothers didn't hate him, they would have never sold him. If they never sold him, he wouldn't have gone to Egypt. If he didn't go to Egypt, he wouldn't have worked for Potiphar. If he never worked for Potiphar, he wouldn't have been in jail. If he hadn't gone thrown into jail, he wouldn't have ever interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. If he never interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker, he would have never been able to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. If he never interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, oh, I better take a breath. You with me? If he never interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, he would never have stood before 
Him with the greatest plan of solution to fix the problem that Pharaoh had. And that was that that place was in great famine. God moved him like a chess piece in the right place to be able to be positioned for what the very purpose was. You may be thinking, like I did, isn't there an easier way to get to B from A to B, isn't there? Or A to Z, isn't there, a, isn't there an easy way? Seems like in the Bible, pain seemed to be the pathway that used people to bring them out to the very place that God had for them. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in making you holy than making you happy. God is more interested in making you valuable to others, not just happy for yourself in your own little world. It's the causeway to purpose. It's the pathway that God uses to bring you to the purpose. But you can choose to opt out and do it your way and live in a wilderness. Eventually, if you step back in into God's plan, you'll eventually get there. But it'd be with a lot of pain, a lot of loneliness, a lot of new habits, and a lot of disappointment. The pathway that takes us directly into the will of God is by staying close to God. Joseph's pit and prison journey prepared him for the very position of being prime minister under Pharaoh. You may have been through a dark time. As I said, you might, you might be in one right now. You might enter one in your years. Can I implore you, don't do it complaining or fighting your way through, but allow God's grace, allow God's mercy to help you, to walk with you. Allow the Holy Spirit to be the one. Don't put him out of a job. His job is to walk alongside of us. His job, his, his name, his very name is Paraclete, the one who sticks close to us, who whispers in our ears, who encourages us, who leads us. It's the Holy Spirit. You can experience hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit every day of your life. But there is an requirement in doing that. It means spending time with God. It means staying still enough to listen what the Holy Spirit would have to say to you. It's about responding when you get this check in your heart and your spirit. Don't do that, then don't do it. Watch out, then watch out. I've developed a closeness with the Holy Spirit because I've learned that that's the easiest way through my journey. Draw close to Him. Put your burden at His feet because He promises to make your yoke light. Develop that daily devotional. Have a journal. Write the things that God speaks to you because when you're in your dark time, I'll be honest, you don't even want to read your Bible, let alone sing, let alone pray. But it's in that devotional time that it refreshes you. When you have the music of worship playing, it refreshes you. Develop a thankful heart. Oh, this is hard. You know, when the city of Jerusalem was being burnt down, 
and the Babylonians were taking them into exile. In the middle of that, the prophet Jeremiah says this, Lamentations 3, 22, 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end and they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. A thankful heart will start noticing the provisions of God. A thankful heart will start to hear what God is saying. A thankful heart will start to notice the plantation of people around you that God's put. To not whisper, oh, not like Job's counsellors. Oh, Job, what did you do? Oh, what, what did you do last night, Job, to get treated like this? No, no, the right people who will encourage you. If you have people around you that are negative, put them on pause in your dark time. And surround yourself with people who will uplift you, who will, who will encourage you to draw closer to God, who will speak into your life. Now, be careful what they speak. Be discerning because sometimes people just want to make you happy. They don't want to tell you the truth, right? So be wise in what they say. Check, Holy Spirit, is that, is that, is that right? Is that what you think? Listen, take it, receive it and grow. And I want to say to you, if you're in a dark trial now or going into one, you are stronger than you think. You may say, Nina, I'm not. You don't know me. Yes, you are. The righteous are resilient. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 16, for the righteous fall seven times and they rise up again. But the wicked stumble in times of calamity. You are stronger than you are. You know why? Because you have God. You have the Holy Spirit. You have, you have good people around you as you plant yourself around them. You have people that only want your best, people who will pray for you. Like, can I encourage you? Don't always wait for people to rescue you. You've got the greatest one beside you, the Holy Spirit. He will tell you what you need at your very moment of time, what you need to hear, not necessarily what you like to hear, but what you need to hear. Don't just be visited in prison. Allow the Holy Spirit to encourage you. Process it with the Holy Spirit. Deal with it and then come out of it. It's Jesus Christ who I always go to first. It's the Holy Spirit that I partner with in the car, in the kitchen, in the shower, in the church, wherever I go. It's always Holy Spirit, I need you, come with me. Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do here. Show me. Holy Spirit, this is a hard one. Why this one? Holy Spirit brings that word of encouragement, that word of comfort, that word of sometimes rebuke. Let the negative be a, a, a pathway for a positive result. Our God is a master developer, doing his best work, manipulating those negatives in a, into a work of art as we stay close to him. Can I have the musos come right now? Come 
back to him. If you are fighting, if you are trying to work it out, can I encourage you today, come back to him. Say, I need you, God. I can't do this without you. I need you. 